And now while you remain standing, would you turn with me to Psalm 8? I'll read uh, the, uh, the whole psalm, which is only nine verses long. But our focus uh, will be on verse 2. Psalm 8, the psalm of David. Hear now the word of God. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and the fish in the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing now on your word proclaimed. Lord, give us ears to hear. Bless that word as it penetrates our ears and our minds into our souls and hearts. And we pray that, Lord, we would be changed by this word to the glory of your name. Amen. May please be seated. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. In Psalm 127, the psalmist there speaks about children as blessings from the Lord. Children are a blessing to us. But here in Psalm 8, God has given children in order to bless Him. Children are a blessing to us, but God made them to also bless Himself. One of the reasons that God has made children is so that his name would be praised from their lips. What an amazing thought that is. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength. The Hebrew word, which is translated strength, can also be praise. Out of the mouth, out of the lips, 
of babies and infants, you have established praise. What that means to you children here is one of the reasons that God has created you, one of the reasons that you exist is so that you would praise God. That you would sing His praises. That you would give Him your love and praise His name. That's one of the reasons that you exist. It's, in fact, the most important reason that you exist and that I exist. And so I thought it would be appropriate then to just think about this in light of the Right to Life Sunday, the Sanctity of Life Sunday, the, the uh, uh, anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision. to be reminded that God creates children, babies and infants, so that they would sing His praises is important. And it's a reminder to us that there are many, because of abortion, whose lips have been silenced. And here, the, the praise of children is extolled. It's, it's lifted up. It's, it's offered here as evidence of God's majesty and of His glory. He has ordained children and infants to sing his praises, to lift up, to use their lips in praise to his name. In Psalm 8, David here is admiring God's perfections. Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Your glory you have set above the heavens. Rejoicing even in God's condescension and kindness toward mankind. You are so great. What is, what is man that you would be mindful of him? It's a, there's a wow-ness going on here in Psalm 8. God's glory is above the heavens, but even children can glorify and praise God. Children, of course, are weak. They're small, dependent. But that's David's point. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength, praise, because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. God uses the weak things to ordain strength. This is what David is pointing to. Not only are infants illustration of God's power and skill, they are illustrations of that most certainly. Look, you look at their physical form and 
their, their, their instincts, the things that they do and know, not having learned them. When they're hungry, they cry. They're developing intelligence. As parents, we get to see that firsthand. It's amazing. Wonderful to see. Illustrations of God's power and skill. But they are also instruments of God's praise. God has ordained that the lips of children praise Him. And by doing that, they put to shame the enemies of God. Matthew Henry connects this passage, Psalm 8, to particularly, connects that to 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29. Let me read that for you. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. We read in Acts chapter 4, the, uh, the apostles, here they were fishermen, unlearned. They did not go to college. They didn't go to seminary. They were, worked with their hands. Fishermen, unlearned, ignorant men. But by the foolishness of their preaching, they turned the world upside down. God uses the weak things of this world to put to shame the wise And here we see, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established praise and strength. God's enemies are silenced and put to shame. The sense of this psalm is is that God is to be glorified. And God, our Redeemer, in Jesus Christ, is to be praised. And that praise is perfected, that is, that God is in the highest degree glorified when strength is ordained out of the mouth of infants and babies. The children's praise is extolled. But there have been times in the history of this world, of mankind, when children's praise has been extinguished. We read about those in the Old Testament who were offering their children to Malak. And God said, this is something that, didn't, that I didn't even think of. Not, of course, that God is not sovereign, knowing 
but it is not of God. It is not of God to offer children as sacrifices. But that's what was happening. Even some of the uh, Israelites were taking part in that very wicked, awful practice of sacrificing children in fire. In Jesus' day, in Matthew 21, Jesus actually quotes Psalm 8. It was right after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus went to the temple. That's when he drove out the money changers. You, I think, are probably aware of the story. But also, we read that Jesus was there, and the blind and the lame came to him, and he was healing them, and the children were singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. And the leaders, the the religious leaders, were indignant. And they reprimanded Jesus. How can you let these children be so unruly in the temple? The blind and lame were not supposed to be in the temple. Children's shouting and praising was irreverent. It's interesting, they didn't seem to mind the irreverence of the money changers (laughs) who were cheating people. But when children were praising and crying out, Hosanna, they were indignant. And Jesus responded, Have you not read? And then he quotes Psalm 8. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. And Jesus' point is God's house should be a place of healing, should be a place of rest, should be a place of joy, and should be a place of praise for all God's people, including children. And the point I hope you, you're, you're making the connection is that children will only praise God on earth if they're given the opportunity to live. And whenever a baby is aborted, that voice is kept from praising God on earth. Now, for those of you who are children and young children, I'm not going to get into this much, but I do want you to understand that abortion is the killing of that little baby while it is growing in his or her mother's tummy. That's what abortion is. Before the baby is born the baby is put to death. And in our day, children and the praise of children has been extinguished by this practice of abortion. There have been, uh, there are three primary reasons that women have given for why they chose to abort their child. 
The first is that having this child would interfere with their work, their school, other responsibilities, their goals, that this child would be a hindrance. The second reason is because they, they've said that they could not afford raising a child. And a third is because they didn't want to be a single parent. In other words, the deadbeat dad isn't around. There are other reasons, of course, we know that abortions happen. Uh, one, of course, is rape and incest, although that is a very, very small percentage of abortions. Sometimes the uh, amniocentesis, that's the, the test that is taken of the amniotic fluid and all of that reveals that there's an abnormality or severe disability of the child, and therefore abortion happens. In all of the U.S. history, in all of the wars that we have been in, the Revolutionary War, Civil War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Iraqi War, the Cold War, war against uh, terrorism, more of late. There have been about 1.3 million casualties, deaths, as a result of combat. 1.3 million. Civil War itself had about 700,000, about half. Since 1973 and Roe v. Wade, there have been about 60 million infants killed. Just think of those numbers. One and a half, less than one and a half million in warfare combat battles, 60 million infants. In the U.S., each year it's estimated that there's about 50 million abortions worldwide. Each year. I was trying to find the latest uh, polling regarding uh, the uh, uh, you know, United States population and their views about abortion. We, you know that it's been uh, a very contested matter in our country for many years. But I think it's fair to say that there are about 20% of the population that uh, is wholeheartedly opposed to abortion. And about 20% who are wholeheartedly in favor of it. And then there's that middle 60-ish percent who might say, yeah, you know, I'm not real comfortable with abortion. Abortion is wrong 
but I still believe that it's, there's a, you know, it's a woman's right and prerogative to choose. And so they kind of fall in the middle. They kind of agree with both sides of the issue. Well, I would want you to know that if those numbers are correct, I fall in the 20% that oppose abortion. And I hope that you do as well. It is wrong, and it is an evil for many reasons. Let me mention a few. Human, human beings, men and women, boys and girls, are created in the image of God. God made all things. God made the heavens and the earth. He made the mountains, the, the rocky mountains that we look out on. He made the animals. He made, you know, your pet dog and your pet cats and birds and all of these. He made the, the whales and dolphins and everything else. God created all things. But he marked humanity only with his image. We are created in the image of God. Not your pet dog, not your pet cat, not whales or dolphins or mountains. They are not created in the image of God, only human beings. And the Bible makes that point and uses that argument as to why we should not kill our neighbor. <laughs> He's created in God's image. The sixth commandment, you shall not kill. It's very clear. Mankind was given the cultural mandate to fill the earth and subdue it, to procreate, not to kill our offspring, but to procreate. The Bible teaches that children are a blessing from God. How awful is it to extinguish the blessings that God has given? The Bible teaches that God knows us, He knits us in our mother's womb, and He loves us in the womb. And when we read in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, which tell us about Jesus Christ, it shows that children have a special place in the kingdom and in Jesus' heart. Let the little children come to me, he said. And in Psalm 8, God has ordained children to give him praise. And so the church should speak. We should speak the heart of God to this world and say that abortion is wrong. It is against the will and purposes of God and is a sin. 
But even as we say that, clearly, unapologetically, we say that and ought to say that. We should say, too, to men and women who have been responsible for an abortion, who have engaged in it, and it's not just a woman's sin. <laughs> There's a man involved. There's forgiveness. Abortion isn't the unforgivable sin. And I want to say to you, dear brothers and sisters, if you have been engaged or a part of an abortion, that there is cleansing, there is forgiveness of that sin too. Christ came to pay for all of our sins. Not just the, you know, the little peccadilloes, but the real bad ones. <laughs> he, he came to save. He came to cleanse us from all of our sins. And if, if a passage like this, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength, if that pierces your heart and you say, oh, what have I done? How could I have done such a thing? to extinguish the lips that would, were to praise God. I say to you this morning, but there is cleansing and forgiveness of even that sin. Christ came and he shed his blood to save us, to cleanse us from our sins, even the, the worst ones. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And he says to you, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Are you heavy laden? Are you heavy laden with guilt? He says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That too is the heart of our Savior. The heart of our Lord loves children. There's a special place. But he came not to save the righteous, but to save sinners like you and me. Boys and girls, God's desire, God loves, and God has ordained praise from you. What an amazing thing. How wonderful that is. But what happens when babies are aborted? They stop praising God on earth. Psalm 115, we read, The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength.
Let's stand there. Let's say that. Instead of being wishy-washy in this cultural battle that is around us, let's say with no uncertain terms, God hasn't created children to be aborted. He created them to praise Him. He created them to, to, or to, to establish strength and praise to His name. Let that be our message and our stance in this cultural battle. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray, O oh Lord, forgiveness when we have been uncertain or unclear in this matter. We pray for forgiveness for your church that has not spoken clearly or as clearly as it ought in this matter. We pray, Lord, that we would be salt and light, making a difference in our culture and in our communities. We pray, Lord, that we would hold with high regard the sanctity of life and that we would not view our children as a nuisance but rather as instruments of your praise. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ and that in him there is cleansing and forgiveness of sins. We pray, Lord, that you would lift the burden of guilt on those who may be guilty of this particular sin. Lord, may they find their rest, their hope, and their comfort in you and you alone. Because you sent Jesus to save sinners. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.